everyone. This is Ronnie from Everything Vive, and I have the pleasure today to be speaking with Eric Turashinsky. He's uh, the he's a developer of Jet Island over at Master Indie, and yeah, super excited to have you on the show, Eric. Thanks for agreeing to to talk with me. Hey, Ronnie, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, like I said, I'm I had a chance to play Jet Island, and it was a ton of fun. Um, I'm super excited about any kind of game that kind of stretches the boundaries of, of locomotion and how you're able to get around a world in VR. And that's really what Jet Island seems to be all about. So um, if you could just for a moment, just kind of talk about how you first got into VR and how you started developing Jet Island. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I guess... Uh... I don't know. I guess it all started with the Oculus DK2. What was that? Probably about four years ago now. Something like it was probably like around 2013-ish is what I'm going to guess. Yeah, I guess it's been a while now. Yeah, yeah, I remember when I first saw the Kickstarter for the Oculus. It was, uh, you know, really cool. And I remember playing some really bad VR games like back when I was a little kid back in the <laughs> 90s where the screen just felt so far away. So hearing about the new Oculus, I was like super excited. Um, and I finally, like, I think I went to like some college uh, club VR, not, no, just a video game development club. And they happened to have an Oculus DK one. And that was the first time I ever tried it. And of course the first thing I ever played was a roller coaster game. Yep. Like, <laughs> I remember I, I had a DK one myself. And I think that was one of the first things that I like, I, I think it was like the, the, the roller coaster demo, like in the Unreal Engine, I don't remember. Like it yeah. was, just, it was using some like castle assets yeah. or something. I think it was the same one. Yeah, no, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it seemed like such a good idea. Like, oh yeah, like it, it feels like you're sitting in a chair in a roller coaster. You're sitting in a chair. It must be the perfect idea for a VR <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah, if you got nauseous, you're just like, oh, you get nauseous on Unreal roller coasters. That's super realistic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so amazing to see like how far we've come both in hardware and just knowing about VR. Like nobody knew that roller coasters were a terrible idea back then. <laughs> Everyone thought like, "Oh yeah, this is great." <laughs> so after so after you got a chance to play it, you know, at that university kind of showing, what what led you to to pull the trigger on getting the DK2? Um, I don't know. I mean, I was working on a video game at the time and I was thinking about just adding VR as an add-on. Mm. Um, cause I guess back then I didn't really, you know, the idea of a game made for VR wasn't that big of an idea. Like there were a yeah. few games out that you could test out with the DK2. Yeah. They were mostly like little projects kind of show yeah. like tech demos more than actual games. Yeah, so, you know, I just kind of bought the Oculus DK2 just mostly out of interest and mm -hmm. like, you know, oh, I'll support it, you know, mm -hmm. out of mm -hmm. VR mode. Mm -hmm. But um, it wasn't until I saw the Vive come out, and I think that's, what, April of 2016? Yeah. Um, and I remember watching interviews of the Job Simulator people, mm -hmm. made mm -hmm. Job Simulator, mm -hmm. and just hearing them talk about the design of VR just got me so excited. Like just the, I guess the two big game changers over the Oculus were the ability to get up and walk around the room yeah. and actually having hands. Yep. And like until that moment, like hearing them talk about job simulator, I never thought about VR as something you do uh, standing up, mm. I guess. Yeah. 
And just that small little change just, like, changed everything for me about VR, where I was just like, holy crap, I have to make a game designed for this. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I got uh, the Vive uh, when it first came out. I think it was, like, 800 bucks <laughs> yep. when it first came out. And thankfully, the prices dropped since then. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, one of the first things I started working on was a sword fighting simulator. Okay. And... Um, so I worked on that for a few months, and I made a, an arcade-style sword-fighting game called Swordmaster. Okay. Um, and so that was pretty fun. It was definitely completely different than... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of Swordmaster. I didn't know that was you, oh, too, cool. so that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was uh, just completely different. Like Just like the fact that when people played my game, they would get like exhausted and tired. Yeah. And uh, just regular people would want to play my game. Like, I was so used to, like, with indie games, like, you know, I'd, I'd make, like, a web browser game or something. And you only get, like, hardcore gamers with, like, a gaming PC and who also like indie games. Yeah. So, like, you have, a, like, a very niche audience. But with uh, VR, it was just kind of like anybody uh, could pick up a sword and sword fight. And it was really interesting. I didn't even need to put a tutorial i mean there was a tutorial in the game but i was like worried about like oh how am i going to teach players how to play but mm -hmm. then i started play testing it on just random people who've never played vr before yeah and i found out that everybody knows how to swing a sword <laughs> yeah no there, it's true yeah there's like almost no teaching necessary and making and and starting your work on Swordmaster was like was it just something that you really wanted to be able to do in vr and that's kind of what inspired you to go that direction or like after you initially, you know, loaded up the Vive and kind of saw what it was capable of, what like what went through your mind as far as like how you, why you wanted to to do sword combat as your first kind of you know try at, at at VR. Um, I think it was because I played a demo. Uh, what was it, like spell something? I think I know. Is was it was it one where you got to like there were like orbs that you could experiment with, and there was like physics in a room and oh i think I'm that's waltz of the wizard you're right you're right that is. uh it was oh i can't remember now it's very obscure now it was just like a tech demo that somebody put together okay um where you could like fight skeletons with a sword okay um and i really enjoyed that and like one thing about it i realized was that since you could move with the trackpad i found myself dodging the sword attacks using the trackpad instead of my real body so I start that just made me start thinking like, oh, what if there was a sword fighting game designed around dodging the attacks with your real body so yeah. that, you know, you don't have a, a joystick to move out of the way with. Like you have to rely on your real play space. Um, so I just started like putting together just a tech demo uh, and it was really just like this really small experimental project. Like I didn't even have a background. I think it was just like a gray grid floor and like just some clouds in the sky. And you had one sword and one guy uh, that you could hit with your sword. And it was really, really basic. Uh, but I just posted a video. Like I, I just started recording myself just to see what it would look like uh, where I had one half of the screen be my webcam showing what I looked like in real life. And yeah. the other half of the screen was the game itself. And the footage ended up looking so cool that I pieced it all together in like a little two minute montage and put some music over it. 
and it looked so cool that I decided to just upload it to the internet. And there weren't that many sword fighting games out for VR at that time, and VR was still really new, so yeah. that video really blew up. No, and I remember when when Swordmaster first came out, like around that time, because I was actually really interested in the game because, like you okay. said, like as soon as as soon as the Vive came out, very similar to to your reaction to it. All of a sudden, like I, I had a DK one before. I had tried out lots of little, you know, demos, and you know, you're mostly seated. And like, I think the coolest stuff about the early, early VR with like the DK one was just the fact that I could like turn my head and feel like I was somewhere else. So just, yeah. just the idea that like, wait, there's something behind me, and like, <laughs> and turning around and realizing that you are still in the game world, like that was kind of mind blowing back then, right? Yeah, then, it really was. But then when, when the Vive came out, being able to walk around and, like you said, having the motion controllers to where – because I had never tried, like, the Hydra or any of those other – like, I, I just – I had only had just, like, an Xbox 360 controller, I think, that I had yeah. kind of – so I hadn't ever experienced any kind of, you know, hand presence or anything like that in a game. And so to be able to actually physically interact with something in addition to walking around and, – and and the DK1 didn't even have the the outside in trackers or anything like that. So you couldn't even really like so just being able to like yeah, move your head in space and it to be able to track. So like all of the first experiences that were really like earth-shattering to me were ones where like you were actually physically doing something in the space. And Swordmaster VR was one of the games that when I first saw just like the screenshots of it in Steam it like it kind of reminded me almost of like just looking at the screenshots prior to playing it, kind of like like a a, a Demon Souls or like a, a Dark Souls type, like oh, the yeah. the way the aesthetic looked, and even like I mean those games are really you know like animation heavy kind of you know like, but just the idea that you would be able to actually use your own skill set to be able to like combat something in VR was just like a. Like a mind, like yes, finally, like someone's yeah. doing something like this. So, yeah, yeah so it was so exciting back then. So, so yeah, <laughs> it was so it's cool, but yeah, yeah. So, so when you uh, when you you know uploaded the video and all of that stuff, was it was it exciting to see like people's reactions to what you had created and when you finally yeah. like how how long from like posting that initial footage to actually having the game ready to to go up on Steam. Um, I think it was about three or four months. Okay. Uh, it was, it was fairly fast cause it was, it was a really simple game. I mean, it was just a wave based game. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Once I got the combat, uh, physics working the way I wanted them to, I just kind of made enemies come in you or come at you in waves. Uh, cause that was like a really popular thing back then. Cause yep. it was just an easy way of, uh, yeah. Cause, cause like, a, like, a, like what people were mostly interested were less about like the game itself and kind of more like what you were able to do within that space. I think. Yeah. So like, it didn't really like, you didn't need complex systems or AI or anything like that. Like, I mean, I'm sure in a fighting game, AI helps for sure, but okay. yeah, just, just being able to like, you know, wave your sword around and like to be able to, I'm sure hit where you want to hit and feel like the game was responding to what you were actually doing is probably like the biggest thing. Yeah, think. definitely. Like, uh, it took me a while to write the code to make it so that it would detect which way you were swinging your sword so yeah. that if you hit their shield or their sword, 
it would knock their shield like outwards yeah or something yeah yeah uh, so it just made you feel like you were the one pushing his shield out of the way yeah less less about the anime like yeah everything feels like it's reacting to you the way it would in real life kind of thing yeah it's it's a completely different experience than just like sitting on a couch hitting the b button and using yep. a joystick like, yeah you're really there so after Swordmaster, did you just in, in, like immediately know that you wanted to work on another VR project or did you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I definitely like once, once I started getting into VR, it was like no going back for me. I was like, you know, no matter where VR goes, like this is like, is just such a perfect fit for me. Like, That's I awesome. I feel like, like everything about making video games all of a sudden just like made sense. That's amazing. Like, and and you were yeah. into uh, I mean, it sounds like you were developing uh like smaller titles before, you know, starting on VR titles, right? So Yeah. Like, it's always interesting to see cuz there's some people that, you know, are still into both. There's other people that like once the Vive and the Rift came out, like all they do is play VR and mm -hmm. it's it's interesting to kind of see like what people it like, grabbed on hold on to, you know, the hardest. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I mostly just started with, like, web browser games. I did, like, one or two phone games. Okay. Um, and a couple of PC games. But, yeah, so mostly I was I was just making traditional games. But, uh, yeah, as soon as the Vive came out and I made Swordmaster, I was like, yeah, this just everything makes sense now. Like, I want I want to be inside the video game, not yeah. just looking at a, a window on the monitor. No, and I think it's ironic that right now, in some respects, like kind of the the user base for VR platforms is one of the most like hardcore and kind of insular. Like it's a smaller yeah. community right now because because getting back to kind of what you were talking about, like some of the coolest reactions and how people were able to just easily pick up and play. Like I still get those responses when I show people VR. You know, to this day, is like the appeal is there to where if someone has the ability to just try it out and play it that like literally any person like my parents who never played a video game in their life can jump in and immediately kind of grasp some like I'm always surprised just to see how certain types of people are actually so good at some of the things in in VR games without having any kind of you know tutorial or prior knowledge to anything you know yeah definitely so and yeah. I would imagine as a as a developer like that's super exciting because all of a sudden like all of your friends and family and a lot of people that might not have that like you know more you know hardcore kind of you know dedicated kind of following to games like to be able to show something that you're working on to literally anyone and get a reaction from them must be like you know really rewarding. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cuz like before VR like my friends and family would look at the games that I'm making and you know it wouldn't quite click with them like yeah. they would just be like oh that's a video game yeah, i'm not that's really neat. into video like, games yeah yeah but yeah now like people actually like get it i mean at least the ones who try it they don't really yeah. get it until they try it <laughs> no that's how i mean uh, honestly like even like people like you and me we were interested in it until we tried it but i feel like yeah anyone that tries it like all of a sudden has a different idea and perspective yeah. of what it is so Oh, yeah, that's, definitely. that's awesome. So yeah, so, so you knew that, you know, going from Swordmaster to your next project that you wanted to stick with VR. So what made you decide to, to decide to, to go the jet Island route with like the locomotion and the different movement systems and whatnot? 
Yeah, um, that was a pretty interesting. I mean, it's it kind of just like Swordmaster, where I really just started working on some code and making a prototype that I just found interesting, like an interesting problem that I wanted to solve. And I guess the initial inspiration came from the game Tribes Ascend. And I, I really yeah, liked... I played Tribes back in the day. Not Tribes Ascend, oh, nice. but I think I, tr- I played like Tribes 1 and 2. Okay, yeah, yeah, those are pretty similar. I think the only difference is like you just the, you have to like hit the space bar in a, at a certain yep. time to make to it ski. skate. Yeah. yeah. No, that's what, like, uh, I didn't, I had no idea that Tribes was an inspiration for you, but it totally makes sense. Like, now that oh, I, nice. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, continue, continue. So, yeah, so, so yeah, I was just playing Tribes back in the day, and I found the movement system in that game just so interesting that I always wanted to make a game just where I just played around with similar physics. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, once I had VR, I was like, oh, this is the perfect opportunity. So I can make, you know, tribes in VR was my initial idea huh. of what the game was going to be. No, and that uh, makes sense given, like, kind of the open, sprawling level design and a lot of, like, what Jet Island eventually became, so. Yeah. Yeah, so it was originally just going to be a capture the flag game, uh, and that was just going to be it. So... I got the sliding movement working and the jetpacks working, and I knew it was working good when I could go uh, on like kind of a loop-de-loop shape where mm. it kind of would like fling you over. And I was mm-hmm. like, yes, I can collide with all the uh, physics and everything. So then I worked on getting it working in multiplayer, and this was back when the character was still just a cube for a okay. face and a cube, <laughs> two cubes for your hands. Well, and I would imagine when you were working on it too, there probably wasn't a whole lot of like large-scale multiplayer vr titles really out yeah no not yet back then so Um, that's so so you were just kind of experimenting in like you know new territory then yeah yeah i think the first map that i made must have been i don't know maybe like a square kilometer maybe a little less something like that Mm. it was just kind of like this square really simple map that i put together very quickly just to test out things Mm. um and i just found a couple random people online who were willing to download the game and just test it out. And it took a bunch of tries at first just to get to the point where we could see each other. And then I added uh, in-game voice support so that we could talk to each other through the microphones. And uh, it ended up just being so much fun to slide around this world and <laughs> use the jetpacks. And we'd come up with all these like games. We'd like race each other around the map. Uh, and we'd just spend like hours like hanging out in this world together, just messing around with the physics and talking. And, and and at that point, I mean, were you just kind of letting the physics kind of guide how things kind of worked out, or like what yeah. what did were you tweak tweaking things here and there to kind of try to make it feel different, or like what what kind of led to what eventually became the systems in the final game? Um. Yeah, just kind of like a lot of tweaking it, seeing how people used it, um, and, you know, just making sure the collision detection worked really good. I ended up, like, changing the angle of the jets and, like, the recharge pattern of the jets. Like, I made... But originally, I had them set so that each hand had individual fuel, and then later I changed it to they share fuel because mm. people were, like, alternating hands, and it was just kind of like a weird motion. yeah. No, and uh, and now seeing yeah. like what your what your inspiration was, like you know tribes and like kind of like the limited amount of flight versus like like it, it 
makes sense as to like why you wanted to limit how long players were in the air. Like, was that just like, I mean, did you ever think about like just letting people just fly around longer? Like, was it always kind of balancing out like sliding versus flying versus swinging? Like how did, like, yeah, how did, I guess, how did you come to where you wanted that kind of middle ground, like balancing? Yeah. Um, well, there's definitely a couple of tests where I just gave the player unlimited fuel or way too much fuel where it was just overpowered. Yeah. And it was pretty interesting. What I figured out was that uh, you feel more like you're flying when you're not flying, mm-hmm. <laughs> which doesn't make a lot of sense. But something about like having the ground be something real that mm-hmm. like if you mess up, you're going to fall down to the ground. Yeah. And something about that just made it feel more rewarding when you do figure out how to fly up really high. Uh, So something about, like, making sure that gravity was always something you had to think about made the flying around in the world feel a lot more real. Uh, No, that makes sense. Because, I mean, one of the first, like, flying experiences I ever tried in VR was Richie's Plank Experience. Oh, yeah. And that's a similar, like, I mean, the, like, the flying around is almost, like, a side part to that game because, like, some of the, the coolest stuff about that game is, like, walking on the plank and, and falling from the buildings. And, like, yeah, like you were saying, it's a lot of your vulnerability that makes you feel like you're doing something extreme more so than, like, the, the, like the ability to just fly unlimited or, you know, yeah. do whatever you want, so... Huh, that's no, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I guess it's kind of also like um if you're playing a horror game, you know, it's it's going to be a lot less scary if you have a bunch of ammo and a high-powered mm. gun that can kill all the enemies super easily. Yeah, so no. that vulnerability makes it feel more real and scary. Yeah, so I mean, along those same lines like what were some of the things that you did to kind of heighten or create a sense of like height and danger and like like, like what were like, cause I, like, I, I noticed like, you know, like on one hand you want players to feel, you know, like there's a sense of danger when they're flying and everything well, on another, you know, on the other side of things, you also don't want them to like freak out every time they fall and just like yeah. give up. So like, what was, what were some of the things you did to, to kind of balance those things out too? Um, well, I guess I just kind of gradually kept stepping it up more and more. Uh, so, like, the very first time you play the game, if you go off a little ramp, you might fly 20, 30 feet up in the air, and that's, like, mind-blowing the first yeah. time. Yeah. But then after a little while, you get used to it. But then you find some bigger ramps, and you figure out how to get more speed. So then you can fly, like, 100 feet in the air, and then you're like, whoa, <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, no, <laughs> then, so, some of the first yeah. times that I, like, really had built up that momentum... And then, like like you said, kind of especially like the first time when you're just getting used to, like feeling like oh like like first you're super excited because you're going faster and faster and you're like this is awesome, and then when you realize like you're going too fast, and you're just like uh oh like you you're flying off of something and you're trying to like stop yourself and reorient and like yeah it's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, so yeah so okay so so yeah so you guys were just kind of experimenting and playing around and coming up with your own sort of you know games to to use the world with like wh- what were some of the things that 
that you didn't end up using in the final game that that were pretty cool? Um, let's see. That is a good question. I think most, other than the idea of capture the flag, I think almost everything still made it into the final game. It just ended up not being a, because uh, I I was I had plans to get started on making it so that you know there's a flag and points and score, uh. um, but then eventually I kind of came to the conclusion that if it was a capture the flag game, it would only be fun for like maybe the first month that the game releases. Yeah. And then you'd get into the paradox of, uh, no one's online because no one's ever online. (laughs) That's always kind of one of the sad parts about, especially when you find a game that's really cool because it's like, if you like at, at the height, like right when a game releases, you're having so much fun. And then it's kind of like, like a chicken and the egg scenario where like you, you remember like, you know, several weeks later, you want to go and play that game and you get online and you're super excited and no one's there and then you stop playing. Yeah, exactly. And so like, what can you really do? So no, I, I, I hear that. And that makes a lot of sense to kind of focus on, on more single. Is that how you, how you moved on to trying to come up with like boss battles and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I started, uh, basically I just figured like, all right, you know, probably not make it a capture the flag game how about i just make it some kind of a single player game and originally i was thinking like it would just be like a really big obstacle course like figure out um how to make uh, cool obstacles that are just a challenge to get from point a to point b yeah like almost like a platformer kind of yeah yeah exactly um So my first step to that was just me figuring out, like, okay, how big of a world can I make it? Um, And I guess another piece of inspiration that made me think that I wanted to make everything in all one big world was I remember back in the DK2 playing that Winlands demo. Mm -hmm. uh, And and then once the Vive came out, like a couple years after I originally played the Winlands demo... I went to go play the Vive version, and I remember feeling like kind of disappointed because I wanted to get back into that world that I remember because it felt like a real place. Yeah. And I got in there, and I was in like the tutorial level, and then you get to the central hub, uh, and then you get to the main place. But it was like kind of all confusing because I was like teleporting to these different worlds, and I wasn't sure which world was which. Mm-hmm. And, um, I kind of like lost that feeling a little bit for me of going back to that world that I remember. Mm-hmm. And even once I got there, it was like a little bit different. I couldn't remember exactly like, oh, was this the same place? Like, oh, I think I recognize this now. Mm. Um, so I decided with uh, Jet Island, I was like, okay, what if I take that feeling that I was searching for and try to make a game based on that? Mm. So that if anybody plays Jet Island, and then puts it down for a year, and then plays it again a year later, they feel like they're coming back to a place. <laughs> That's so really Jet cool. Island, yeah, so I, I, I wanted Jet Island to be a place, not a game. Yeah, no, and that actually makes a lot of sense, like, given what we were talking about before. Like, one of the, like, the, the movement systems and, like, what you're able to do in the environments is definitely one major part of what makes VR so cool. But the other one is the sense of presence and the fact that you're going somewhere. Yeah, and, yeah, it and feels so real. Yeah, and, and you're right. Like, your brain kind of intuitively, I think, with VR, forms memories almost like it does in real. Like, like you, 
you start attaching feelings to that place. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, like, so now when I play Jet Island, I'll like just fly over a mountain and just be like, oh, I remember hanging out with that one guy on that mountain and we were talking about uh, that other game or something. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's really cool. So, and that adds to like like you were saying before, like like on on one hand, you you it sounds like you really like strove to develop thing like specific tasks for players to do, but a, a lot of the other things you're just trying to give people the tools to kind of create their own fun within the game world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it really evolved like that ever since like the early prototype. It was just hanging out with people in this world ended up being the most compelling, most interesting thing. So I wanted to make sure that people could still do that, like going forward, but there be enough content that if nobody's online, there's still lots to do. That's really cool. So, so yeah, I guess looking, looking forward then to kind of, you know, where VR is going, I know there's, there's been a lot more of that kind of social, like co-op slash PVP type, those those types of experiences are becoming more and more prevalent. I mean, yeah. there, there's still that issue where if people aren't playing, like, what do you do? Especially when that's like the main the main focus. But I guess with with these standalone headsets like the Oculus Quest coming, and and I get more and more of the the arcade type VR experiences as well. Like it seems like like maybe there's kind of starting to become more an emphasis on like local multiplayer also like where multi multiple people are having headsets like in one location there's there's just all kinds of different you know ways that this looks like it's going like what are yeah. what are some of the things that you've seen that kind of make you the most excited about about the future of, of VR yeah uh well there's a lot of really cool things i always found VR chat really compelling um, even though like VR chat is so janky, yeah, I guess. Like, yeah. Everything's I, I, glitchy and yeah. lagging. <laughs> I've used VR chat. I, I use big screen a lot for like random stuff. Oh, nice. So yeah, no, it, 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 yeah, it's fun just being in there with people and seeing like rec room does some of that too, where yeah, you're just, in yeah, a, rec room it, was mind blowing the first time I played it. Yeah. Cause you're just seeing people and. And that, like, besides being in a place together, like, you're also seeing people's personalities play out and just how they interact. Like, the fidelity in which you see people moving around and interacting with stuff is so much higher than, like, seeing people control something with a joystick, you know? Yeah. Oh, so much. Like, actually, that reminds me of when I was working on the prototype for Jet Island, and I was just trying to get the multiplayer working so that I could just see another person in the game. Uh, it was... Uh, I, I kept on like uploading a new build of the game and sending the files to my friend online and telling him to run it and be like, oh, do you see me now? And he'd be like, no. And I'd do the whole process over again. I'd be like, do you see me now? And I probably did this like 20 times. And thank goodness this person was so patient with me because he, he tra kept trying it again and again, being like, nope, I don't see you. But then finally I launched the game and I see some cubes that are just like floating in the air. And I was like, wait, is this like a glitch or is that actually a person over there? So I wave with my controller and the cubes look at me and they wave back. 
And I just <laughs> dropped to my knees and I like raised my fists in the air and be like, yes. And, like, we didn't have microphones in the game yet, so we couldn't hear each other. Yeah. But he said that he could tell that I was dropping to my knees and raising my fists in the air. <laughs> yeah, just from saying, because like you'd be surprised. Like, I mean, yeah, you're you're always surprised when you like how much how much you can see out of like simple movements and stuff in VR. Like you can totally tell, like, because like everything's so analog, right? Like I'm sure when you drop to your knees, like the player avatar, like moved in that way where you just knew that that was the only thing that person could be doing and, yeah, and, and yeah, waving the arms vigorously and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't even think I had a torso on the player yet. It was just a head and two hands and they were just cubes. Like yeah. you couldn't even make out what it was. But it's like your brain. Yeah. Your brain fills in all the, all the missing yeah. pieces. Yeah, it really does. It's so amazing. And like, it was so mind blowing to see like those floating cubes be a person in a game that I made. Cause I like all I programmed was just send over the location of the other player's head and hands and that's it. And that was just like enough for me to see an actual human being. And it was such a, it's crazy how just those two things are enough to really make you feel like you're standing in a room with a person. I want to get back to like the future VR stuff, but before I do, I, I just remembered something that I was meaning to ask uh, that I that I kind of dropped for a second. Like this is actually a real. I'm I'm curious what your answer to this will be. Like because at the beginning we were talking about kind of you know the the idea that kind of anyone can just jump into VR and like swing a sword or do a lot of these other types of like more simple types of of, of movements and, and gameplay styles and whatnot. On the other hand, like when you when you load up Jet Island, like one of the first things you notice in the current build is, you know, warning, like you may fall over, like this mm-hmm. is extreme types of movements, that that kind of stuff. Like what um, like what was your decision like to like when you like I guess yeah, what what was the process like deciding that you weren't going to like baby the player too much in terms of what they were able to do within the game. Is that just based on what your goals were for the type of movement or like, was that difficult for you as far as like creating a game that was kind of, you know, as kind of intense as it was? Yeah, that was definitely pretty interesting. Um, Cause yeah, it, it's uh, it's kind of the complete opposite of Swordmaster, where Swordmaster is, it's easy to play. It's comfortable for everyone, but with Jet Island, it's like, for the advanced players who've been playing VR for at least a year or something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it is, it is a lot more difficult to figure out how the physics work because the physics are just, they're meant to be as realistic as possible. Uh, so like there's a lot of games where the movements kind of just automatic and you press a button and it works. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas jet Island was just kind of, like the way the ropes swinging around, like I wanted the ropes to just be really realistic and then you could use the ropes with the physics. Um, but it was very interesting cause like as I was working on all these new features and the physics, like I would test it out a little bit at a time. So my skill level was always like higher than a beginner player. Yeah. So that was always something very difficult to balance because like i was able to fine tune and balance the game for advanced players Mm -hmm. for you Uh, yeah and uh and a lot of the beta testers got really really good at the game 
so I would get a ton of feedback from them. And even now after the game's launched, there's like people who are just so good at the game that if I change one tiny little thing, like how long the jets on your hand last before you run out of fuel and they have to recharge again or how they recharge, like the advanced players, it makes a big difference to them. They're like, oh, no, I don't like the new changes. Like, change it just a little bit more that way. or Because huh, it messes with, change? like, their flow, you know? Like, they yeah. have a, huh, that's really interesting. Yeah, so... I would imagine, uh, yeah, at, during development, it would be hard because, like, there's only so many, like, new people that you can kind of get your hands on to see what their reactions are, are going to be to, like, you know, at various stages. Like, is it a constant kind of effort to try to get new eyes on on what you're developing or yeah back before the game was released it definitely was very tricky um and oftentimes when somebody plays a game for the very first time like that first 15 minutes is really important uh mm-hmm. for people to like figure out whether or not they're going to like a game or not yeah and that was always a big challenge with jet island because i felt like in the first 15 minutes you feel usually very clumsy and you have mm-hmm. no idea what's going on because mm-hmm. the controls are very different than other games mm-hmm. um and i feel like a lot of people will play the game for 10 minutes and they'll like give up on it and be like oh this sucks but if they were, if they would just play it for like another ten minutes, you'd start to get the hang of it, and you're like, "Oh, this makes a lot of sense now." So that's always something I'm continuing to try to improve. Just improve the tutorial, just mm. ease people into how the movement is supposed to work, and I have to teach them the controls and physics at the same time because mm-hmm. I don't ever want anything in the game to just be automatic, mm. and that's part of what makes the movement so rewarding. Is yeah. that it's you who did it and not, you know, oh, I pressed a button and my character did it. Was it challenging to kind of hone in the the controls on, like, the different the different types of controllers that are out there? I mean, I know, yeah. like, the, the main two is, like, the, the touch-type controller with joysticks versus, you know, the wand, the, eight, the Vive wands with the touchpads. Like, kinda, how did, yeah, how did that work out? And, like, at what point during development did you... Like, was it, was it from the beginning you were kind of working with both or, or was the Vive like the main one when you started and then kind of shifted over? Yeah, the Vive was the main one when I first started. Um, and then about halfway through, uh, my Vive stopped working. So I switched huh. over to my Rift and okay. I played it exclusively on my Rift for a few months. And then I got my Vive working again because I just needed to replace the cable on it. And I guess that's okay. what was broken. Okay. Um, but yeah, I... I luckily, I think I read like an article or just some tips from somebody online about doing an input relay script where basically this is like just technical stuff, but basically I separated the code for how it gets the, what buttons are being pressed. Mm. And then that code would send the information over to the player code to know when you're holding down the jets or the hook shots. Um, so that way, all of my code for the input system was all in one place. Mm. So that really, really helped. Um, and recently, Steam just came out with Steam 2.0 or Steam mm. VR 2.0. Mm-hmm. And they have a really cool input system where uh, all of the different buttons are events. Mm. Uh, so now when you go to do custom controls in if you go to the Steam VR menu and you go to controller binding, you can actually like select any controller in the world, 
like right now I think there's like four different VR controllers that you can get mm-hmm. and um, you just click on it and be like, you know, a button. And then you choose from a drop down list and be like, Oh, I'm going to have that be hook shots B button. I'm going to have that be jets. So it works really well. So steam is definitely making it a lot easier for developers to support all controllers and letting players also rebind what buttons do what. So it's really nice that that's built into the system now. Yeah. So hopefully that starts becoming more and more common with all VR games. Because right now it's kind of hit or miss mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. what VR games support that. No, that, that makes sense. Ha- have you had a chance to, to mess around with like any of the knuckle controllers or anything like that? Oh, yeah. I just got the knuckle controllers in the mail, and okay. those are really cool. I... Uh, yeah, that 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 uh, is what inspired me to switch over to the new system was getting the new knuckle controllers because you had to switch over to Steam VR ah, two point, okay. so I had to switch up my controls anyways. But it ended up being a great thing because I just improved the controls of all my other controllers as well as supporting the knuckle controllers. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the knuckle controllers are my favorite now because they have all of the buttons plus a trackpad mm-hmm. uh, compared to the Oculus controllers. And I was thinking the trackpad on the knuckles would actually work really well with your game because, like, the way the snap rotations work with, like, going, like, left or right, like, it's it's still capable of, like, doing kind of the swiping motions. Yeah. Right? So you can... Yeah, definitely. It's definitely capable of that, but I ended up recoding it just to be the joystick. Ah, uh, okay, but, okay. Uh, the way the code works is you could easily uh, switch it back Okay. using the Steam controller binding. Uh, so even if a new controller comes out in the future with completely different buttons that I wasn't aware of, yeah. people can set up that controller and get it working. That's really cool. No, I mean, I, I'm with you in terms of, like, I have, a, I have a, a Rift as well as a Vive, and I've always been a fan of having joysticks, so I'm really glad to see, yeah. like, <laughs> va- Valve moving in that. Just because, I mean, you have such a direct, like, one-to-one, like, very, like, responsive type of input there that you can count on like there there's definitely uses for having the trackpad like you said but like but yeah as as far as using it for like very like precise movements it's just you get more feedback from a joystick i think yeah definitely and you know there's i mean i guess maybe at the time i can kind of see why vive came out with just the trackpad Mm -hmm. i think they were trying I think they were trying to encourage developers to simplify their game so that mm-hmm. people can uh, rely on the new VR technology as opposed to old, like, you know, controller yeah. and joystick type controls. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, I don't know. Like, now it's outdated. Like, now we want the joysticks and the controllers back because all the developers have learned what works and what doesn't and how to really utilize VR uh, but like if if back in the day it had the joysticks and buttons like a regular uh, Xbox controller or something like that, mm-hmm. I bet you a whole bunch of developers would have just ported over their game and not really fully utilized VR. Yeah, no, I agree. Like people would have like, you know, press A or B or X to swipe or do this or that. And it would just be, yeah, more, more or less because it, it was nice to have like if you think about it, I guess like the big the big difference is that is is making everything like more analog in terms of yeah you can't really rely on like single button presses that way yeah 
Huh. Yeah, no. And it, was, it was probably also easier for new users or new players. So, like, when you hand the controllers over to somebody who's never played VR before, mm-hmm. and, you know, they don't know, like, oh, the A button, the B button, the X button, the Y button. Like, there's just too many buttons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it is kind of nice that there's only a couple of buttons on the Vive controller. You know, and part but, of that, too, I wonder if it was, like, not really knowing exactly where, like, locomotion types of systems were going to go. Because, yeah. like, if you think about it, like, when the Vive first came out, besides just walking around room scale, like there was still that early emphasis on teleportation, which is not going to go away, but like it seems like things have moved more towards either like, you know, freestyle locomotion or kind of the combination of, of teleportation with freestyle locomotion for a lot of games. And like the, the freestyle locomotion is more, is more connected, I think, and, and better served with joysticks than, like the teleportation stuff. So I wonder I wonder if that has something to do with it too. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, I think maybe Vive or Valve knew early on that, you know, yeah. joystick movement was going to alienate a lot of new VR players. So, yeah. And if they had joysticks built into it from the very beginning, every developer would use it like they were used to with mm-hmm. other games. So it was probably them just forcing people to learn. What What are your thoughts as far as like, like part of what we've been talking about is kind of how the the VR subset, you know, the the current kind of hardcore VR crowd, the way we've kind of latched on to a lot of the games we play and how games have kind of evolved to accommodate that style. As we move towards, you know, more standalone headsets and hopefully what eventually becomes more like wide-scale adoption, do you see the need to kind of simplify again to bring players back or because because some games have gotten really complicated in a very specific vr way you know what i mean Mm, yeah and and i just wonder like because we keep hoping that you know and it seems like i I think there's a lot of things about the next generation of hardware that we're learning about and seeing you know down the pipeline that could potentially bring a lot of new players to the fold like do you see there still being a need for like this like niche hardcore type VR experience and then also the more forgiving more like you know simple kind of or or do you do you think a lot of new people are just going to have to learn like a lot of the stuff that that we've learned over the last 2 or 3 years Yeah that is a really good question I mean I I think in the end it'll probably be a little bit of both Yeah because, um, I mean, kind of like if you take a look at the Xbox controller or the PlayStation controller, you can kind of see, like, you know, back in the days of Super Nintendo, they were still trying to figure out, like, what a controller should be. Yeah. And then they came out with the N64 controller, and they're like, nope, this is weird. We messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you still but, saw it. Like, you saw the joysticks on there. You even saw the C-stick, yeah. like, by the end of the N64 era. It, it In a way, it's kind of similar to, like, what the the vibe ones are like now it's like people were trying to use the C buttons as like another joystick. And like, they were trying to get away with the fact that they only had one joystick until like the next round when the C buttons became like more of a joystick. And then, Oh yeah. The GameCube joystick. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, how these companies kind of make bets on certain things and then slowly kind of everything comes to like a middle ground. Yeah. It kind of like they've, 
reached almost like an evolutionary peak where it's like the controller is getting closer and closer to just kind of like phones also like yeah phones have gotten to the point where all the new phones aren't that exciting because no. they look just like the old phones yeah like, and they're all like the same like everybody like when some new feature comes out if it's a good feature everyone's going to have it so it's right and then and if it's not if it if, if everyone doesn't have something it's probably not something worth like keeping yeah it's so interesting it, Huh. Yeah, so I imagine eventually there will be a VR controller that's kind of the same thing, where it's like, you know, oh, there's like three or four different companies making VR controllers, but they're all basically exactly the same. Yeah, and then it's just... Which is not the case now. Like, there's like, you know, three or four controllers uh, right now, but they're all completely different. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Because I know, I know your games, like, so far, they've been mostly, like, Steam releases, but you've also released an Oculus, you've released... Have you released in the Microsoft Store or? Uh, no, not yet. I okay. haven't really felt much of a need to go in the Microsoft Store. Just yeah. I've never used it yeah. with my mixed reality headset. Yeah, yeah. No, that that makes sense. I mean, I, I think for them, they just want everybody to be able to, like, use their hardware one way or another. They just want to, as many people trying trying it out as possible. Yeah, um, I think for that reason, Steam has been my favorite because it just it makes it so much easier to support like yeah. four or five different headsets. No, I agree. As someone that owns multiple headsets, whenever I can, I always try to get everything in Steam because then I know whether I'm using the Rift or the Vive or whatever that it'll hopefully just work, you know? Yeah, yeah, I definitely like that because you never know what's going to come out in a year. No, and like you said, like as someone that owns multiple headsets, it's like sometimes it's more convenient for me to throw on the Rift or the Vive or whatever. And you yeah. want to just, you want to have that flexibility to just be able to do whatever you want. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So for that reason alone, Steam's definitely my favorite. Yeah. Uh, along those same lines, and I don't want, like, I, I don't know what you know or don't know about any of this stuff, but, like, I, I'm personally pretty excited about some of the, like, rumored leak, like, Valve HMDs mm. and all that kind of thing. Like, did, as far as like what you're hoping to see out of the next generation of of headsets what are what would you most be interested in seeing like going forward like oh yeah uh well i guess there's a couple things like man i was i was so excited when i saw those leaks yeah <laughs> I, no same I, cause, yeah i knew about the knuckle controllers and like i was just like crossing my fingers like i really hope like, it would just make sense because, like, they need feedback on the controllers because the controllers are totally new. Mm-hmm. You, the developers need to change their games to support these controllers. Mm-hmm. But a headset is just the screen. Mm-hmm. So that will just automatically work. So I hope they're secretly working on a headset. And it looks like they are based on those leaks. <laughs> well, and I, and I think, I mean, the, the, the big kind of different, like, yeah, when I knew only about the knuckle controllers, in my head, I was almost like I was I was praying to God that it wasn't going to be something like with like the 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 Steam the original Steam controller. Oh yeah, I I have one. I never really like used it that much, but I right when I found out that Valve was releasing some type of a controller, like I immediately was interested in, and purchased it, and I, and it was it was really cool. Like the I think the concept behind it was was interesting and. And some of the games that you're able to play with it, you know, I, I have my PC hooked up to my, my home theater. So just being able to play certain types of games without a keyboard and a mouse, like, is, sounds appealing to me, you know, for games that, you know, I would want to play on the TV. Um, yeah. But then, you know, as that, yeah, just kind of their support trickled out and, 
and it eventually just kind of seemed like it went away. But And so with the knuckle controller, I was like, oh, hopefully this isn't going to be something that's just like a one-off that they're trying to... But between you know, the fact that they're developing, it sounds like a lot of VR titles specifically around the knuckle controller, and then on top of that, if they are you know, working on their own head-mounted display as well, like that really shows that Valve is is gonna, you know, hopefully take this, you know, kind of into their own hands and really make something interesting for the next gen of PC, you know, especially seeing that Oculus is going more the the standalone route, which I think super makes sense for them. It's just nice mm. to have someone that's invested in in the PC side of things really take a, a strong interest in, in pushing things forward too. Yeah, definitely. Because we, I mean, we need both sides. We need the standalone for casual players, but for we sure. also need to be pushing the technology to its furthest. Yeah. So it's no, great I... to see we have so many headsets, like, you know, even like Star VR up at like the $5,000 range yeah. and stuff like that. No, and some of the coolest, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think it's Varro or Varho. The, I think it's, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, like they develop uh, like more, it seems more like enterprise, like kind of, like more for for big businesses, but the it's a headset out of I believe Finland is the company, hmm. um, and and they're making like 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 retinal resolution type displays that have like multiple screens inside. Like I don't That's know. That's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, when you look into it, you'll see like I don't know. It, yeah, I agree. Like the more uh, forward-looking companies that are working on this stuff, the better. And, and I think Oculus is doing a great job from from what I've seen of, of what they're developing, like as far as like pushing the tech forward. And it looks yeah. like Valve's doing the same thing. And if everybody's kind of working together, then like we were talking about with the controllers, eventually the stuff that really works will trickle down from each of the independent head-mounted displays and VR tracking systems into one like form that's ultimately what we want, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Competition's really good. It keeps, you know, I mean, right now it's very interesting because there's no one headset that's just the best at everything, regardless yeah. of price. No, I so. I totally agree. And, and with the from the pictures of the Valve one, I mean, it looks like it it works with like inside out as well as outside out tracking. Like it looks like yeah, that's gonna be interesting to see. Yeah, I, don't, I, I really don't like, and I, I wonder, I mean, because obviously the knuckle controllers are built using, like, you know, the the base station technology, like, as far as I know. But Yeah, 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 definitely. They're, they're using the lighthouse trackers, um, and on the knuckle controllers, you can see, you can probably find images online of this, but uh, with the Vive controllers and the Vive headset, there's these little like dimples where you mm -hmm. could see each of the sensors. Yeah. Um, but with the Vi or with the Valve Knuckles, the sensors are a lot more subtle and like you can still see them. It's just like a little circle. It's a slightly different color, but they're mm -hmm. uh, they're flush with the plastic and they're a lot more elegant and hard to spot out. Okay. But if you zoom in on a picture of the knuckle controllers and zoom in on the picture of this leaked uh, Valve headset. You can see they both have the same little circles, so it's definitely using uh, lighthouse yeah. tracking. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's interesting. And yeah, I always wondered looking at my Vive, like, like if the dimples were actually necessary, considering it's still like a like a different material, you know, like where you see yeah. the sensors. And yeah, so this is just them, I think, trying to to make it look sleeker and more elegant. And 
Yeah, that probably is just what they were doing. They probably could have made it work with dimples as well. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like some of the technology, though, too, like like when the Vive came out, it was cool because you knew that, like, oh, man, look at all these sensors. Like, this thing is high tech. But now, like, people understand that VR works. And so it's less about proving that it's, you know, like cutting edge and more so just, like, giving the most sleek and and workable experience, I think, functional. Yeah. So. so it'll be really interesting to see what those two cameras on the front are for. Yeah. No, especially considering, like, that it has the, the that it still works with base stations because, yeah, like, it's not, you wouldn't think that it's being, I mean, and, and there's that space that could be Magic Leap or could be, like, some type, like, who knows, like, what type of, if there's going to be more, like, specific hand tracking than what the Knuckle controller allows for. It's kind of yeah, more. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, yeah, hand, hand tracking in general and, and hand presence is, is going to be a huge thing. And I know the controllers have like a an awesome sense of of hand presence, but it'll be yeah. really it'll be something like eventually. I think when you're able to just like when haptics are to the point where you can just use your hands and be able to interact with stuff that way. Like I, I think eventually there will be something like that, but. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and speaking of the knuckle controllers tracking your fingers, uh, I I got Jet Island to make it so the fingers in that game match up ah. with your fingers in real life. And in Jet Island, it's not really needed because mm-hmm. uh, you know you yeah, it's basically for your jets. That's what I was gonna say. It's probably just like cool for the menu systems and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it, it doesn't do anything to the game, but. I really prefer playing Jet Island with the knuckle controllers because I can just look down at my hands at any time and wiggle my fingers. Yeah. And no, like... and those little things make a big difference, though. Like, I could imagine just when you're interacting with stuff, like, all of a sudden, like, going from feeling like your hand is just moving like a wand to all of a sudden your hand is in the game and you're able to, like, when you're pointing to stuff, you actually feel like it's your finger. Like, that's... Yeah. That's weird. That's cool. Like, it, it's yeah. one of those things, like, you thought you had that type of fidelity before, but then when you get it for real, you're just like, oh, whoa, this is this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's so amazing to see just what a small difference that makes. I mean, I mean, what a what a big difference such a small, small change makes. Yeah. It, I'm really excited to see more and more games support the knuckle controllers because that finger tracking is really good and just so immersive. Yeah, no, I mean, and from what I've like, I, I haven't had a time to like mess with it myself, but or had the opportunity. But the, I mean, it seems like it's very like one to one, like very like like it's 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 more. There's more fidelity to it than like what you get with the Oculus, right? Definitely, yeah, because yeah, the Oculus still has. It can tell if you're physically touching yeah. a button or not. Yeah. But the Valve knuckle controllers do all four fingers individually and can tell the distance of how far That's open crazy. or close. So it's not just like like with the Oculus controllers, they they did a pretty good job. Yeah, but it's like a binary kind of like yeah, open close like yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do a lot of tricks to see like if you touch the grip button, they have like a position for your hand where you're middle ring and pinky finger will close around the grip and if you squeeze the grip in all the way they'll squeeze in a little bit more mm-hmm. but like with the with the knuckle controllers i mean you could you know flip somebody off with your middle finger you can <laughs> raise up your pinky finger you can you know make the peace symbol with your hands that's so cool 
And yeah, it's it just feels so much more. And and the fact that you can completely let go of the knuckle controller yeah. makes it feel like it really is your hand. Yeah. So it's, it's it feels like the best of both worlds. No, it's like it, yeah. fully tracking your hand, but you still got all the buttons. Because I mean, it's an actual grip now. Like versus like yeah. pressing some kind of a button or or like you said, like using a trick to seem like you're gripping something or not like i think even having yeah beyond just having the ability to to grip something with your hand physically and it detect it that way yeah being able to release and and for the game to kind of to for that to be its own input in and of itself is kind of interesting you know yeah it'll i mean showing new people vr it's going to be so much nicer because everyone wants to pick up and throw things Mm -hmm. so it'll be really nice to be able to like, cause with like the Oculus or the Vive, I had to tell them what button you have to press to pick something up. Mm. And then I have to tell them like, okay, when you go to throw it, like go of the button, but don't let go of the controller. Yeah. Yeah. And now so, that's, yeah. I mean, it was really smart the way they did it too. Cause I, you wouldn't intuitively like immediately think that there's like an easy way for there to be a like controller that you can let go and it actually feels right. But it seems like like they've done a good job with all of that. Yeah, and I really can't wait for the game Blade and Sorcery to support knuckle mm. controllers cuz even just stuff like holding a sword in your hand. Yeah. Like sometimes when like the combat is really intense, you'll press a button that you didn't mean to. Yeah. But your hands know how to hold on to something. Yeah. And like sometimes in a moment's notice in that game, you want to throw your knife at somebody. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be so much nicer to be able to have like that real grip so that i can just do a throwing motion yeah no that really sounds can't awesome wait for that yeah that's i know i'm super excited so i can't wait for that stuff to finally have like an official kind of release window or date and for us yeah. to be able to to really see some of like i i'm really in, interested in seeing just like what valve is working on too as far as like whatever games that they're developing internally as well. So Yeah, they, they've kept that totally secret. That's what, yeah, I, I mean, like the lab in and of itself was so cool as like when you got your Vive to be able to have that, you know, and it's crazy to think that since VR has been released, we haven't seen anything more from them yet. But I would, yeah. I would imagine when they release something, it's going to be really good. Yeah, yeah, they have a really good track record of making good games and, the lab is still one of the best yeah. uh, demos to show somebody for their first experience in VR. Yeah. No, I still have people that, like, after I show them a lot of stuff, like, they just want to shoot arrows and in, in, or longbow in, in the lab just because it's simple and, yeah, they know what they're doing with that kind of stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me so hopeful about the future of VR to know that uh, Valve themselves are making. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least if if all the rumors are true, yeah. <laughs> uh, Valve themselves are making a headset, and they're not going to have a company like HTC manufacture yep. it for them because yep. HTC made a lot of mistakes, especially with the Vive Pro. That was such a letdown. Yeah, I mean, I think with. I mean, it looks like HTC is just really focused on the enterprise market right now, and. I mean, yeah, I guess to some extent, like, I mean, the Vive itself is just all based on, you know, their partnership with Valve and the technology that they had, you know, been using from them. So to some extent, like, until Valve releases new, you know, hardware or, yeah, new, like, yeah, new hardware with new capabilities, it's like, how much can they really, I guess, do besides, but yeah, it would have been really nice to see, to have seen like a high red, like a, like a Vive Pro-esque type 
head-mounted display that was designed to be more approachable for the people that bought the the original vibes you know like it, yeah. it it seems like there was a very like concerted effort that like oh like those people already have their system and like the vive pro was for like a different market you know yeah and, yeah the vive pro and yeah the pricing was all messed up and yeah you could tell that they didn't like understand the core technology like mm-hmm. they didn't change the lenses they didn't mm-hmm. change the field of view yeah that's i mean the lenses i mean yeah when you saw the oculus go come out and you saw see a lot of like the original lenses lenses are one of the things like yeah i really hope that like with i i don't know if were you able to tell based on like the leaked photos like if the lenses are still like the fresnel like ringed type lenses and the new in the in the the leaked photos of the Valve one, or yeah, they're definitely Fresnel uh, lenses. That's okay. for sure because you can see the rings. Okay, but they they look bigger than the yeah. five ones. I knew but... that because people were thinking that it might be like approaching like a hundred and fifty degree uh, field of view. Or I, yeah, I think that might be a little bit hopeful. I mean, yeah. I really hope that valve is actively working on making it at least a little bigger just so mm-hmm. that on paper they can say like oh it's 135 degrees mm-hmm. or even if it was just 120 i think that would be enough for them to say hey look it's more yeah but i think it's a challenging thing at this point in time to try to make a big field of view like 150 yeah because if you look at the pimax they they, I mean, I, I love that the Pimax is working on making an affordable headset that has that crazy field of view, mm-hmm. but you can see the challenges that the Pimax is going through, like the screen resolution, the distortion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's fine for Pimax because that's just for hardcore uh, users who want experimental technology that they know is not by it's it's by a, a new company that doesn't have as much experience. Uh, but I want the Valve headset to be very user friendly. Mm-hmm. I want it to like just work when you plug it in. Mm-hmm. Like no, I think that's like one of the biggest things. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. And like I was trying to think, it's uh, what I was the term I was looking for. It's not verifocal, but um, the you know being able to only render like where your eye is specifically looking mm, yeah um, oh uh foveated rendering? yeah foveated rendering that's what like i mean i think i think as as we get like higher displays and and wider field of views like that's foveated foveated rendering is really going to be necessary i think because we can't continue to expect like people to have just these like monster monster gpus and graphics cards to be able to like run like like it, it'll be really nice to be able to you know lessen the the workload that you're that that these head mounted displays are going to require you know yeah because yeah, I, I, I could only imagine like with a 150 degree field of view or or even even just 120 let's say which is going to be you know more than than previously if 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 the resolution is going to be double or or quadruple or whatever uh, compared to to the Vive's uh, the Vive's resolution, then that's going to be pretty hard to drive too. So yeah, uh, definitely. I don't know. So I don't think the Valve headset's going to have eye tracking and foveated rendering built into it. Yeah, maybe that'd be cool. Yeah, it, but, I mean, it didn't look like it from what you could. Yeah, see. 
it, there it wasn't looked, any clues about it. Yeah, but eh, it's interesting. It's all stuff that the people are looking into. So, and I and yeah. I know, like, I mean, I don't, I can never judge like how realistic any of like the Nvidia specific stuff would is going to be because they kind of just throw out like, you know, different feature sets into their new GPUs that never really get gain major traction, but. When they released the 20 series, they were talking about foveated re- foveated rendering as well, like being being supported somehow, like inherently within the hardware of the of of the new of Turing. Yeah, and, I, and so I don't know like what hardware level specific stuff, like like how that would necessarily make it easier or harder for foveated rendering to be adopted by a headset that didn't ne- necessarily have like some kind of hardware specific, you know, functionality as well. But I mean, I don't know. It, it's, it's cool just to see in general that people are working together to, to make VR better you yeah. know, on the PC side of things and like virtual, yeah, virtual link, being able to eventually hook everything up through one cable would be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. It'll be interesting to see if uh, the new Valve headset's going to use virtual link or if it's still going to use just an HDMI I'm guessing it's still going to be an HDMI. Cause For like, now, because I mean, like, how many people have, or there's there at least would have to be some kind of an adapter or something. Yeah, I guess they could do that. But but I mean, I don't know. Like then, you know, what would the like if if using an adapter is just the same? Then I mean, that's that's no different. I I don't think from like using like the like the single cable. You know, the like the Vive had multiple cables, and they had one that was like all combined into one cable. Right, yeah. So I don't know, but meh. I guess I, it's like the convenience of power, USB, and HDMI. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess another thing I really want them to fix in the next generation is to just make it so you don't have to unplug it and plug it back in so many times to get yeah. it to work. <laughs> yeah, the, like that happens so many times with me, just like having to unplug the box. And, and like I, as a as a, someone that uses a Rift and a Vive, I... I do like the fact that I'm able to to use the breakout box. Like I I use the yeah. Vive breakout box for my Rift too because it's just more convenient. But me too. Yeah, I do the exact same thing. But I, yeah. I think it's such a miss that Oculus doesn't have a breakout box. I agree because because like yeah, I mean I I know everybody's setup is different, but like it makes a big difference in turn. Like when I when I first got my my Rift and I had been using the Vive actually before I I started using my Rift. I was I I just assumed that it wasn't going to work through the link box, so I was hooking it up directly to the back of my PC, and one of the first things I was like, "Man, the Rift's cable is so short! Like this yeah. is really..." But I mean, it's not as bad when you have it connected to the link box. All of a sudden, like that extra like foot or two that you get from not having to wrap around the back of your PC makes a difference. So yeah, definitely. And one horrible thing about not having a link box is. Uh, I was actually I was borrowing my roommate's PC to test out multiplayer in Jet Islands. So I had my Rift hooked up to his PC and my Vive hooked up to my PC. Mm. And um, I, at one point, I took the headset off and I was had it just resting on my forehead. And I walked over to pick up a controller off the ground and I yanked the controller or the oh, uh, the cord super hard, and I destroyed one of the USB ports oh, on his computer. And luckily, I didn't destroy the HDMI port. But yeah, 
the uh. cord on the rift was also destroyed and I had to buy a new cord to replace it. And it's like that whole thing would have been avoided if there was just a breakout box. Yeah, yeah. Because, I, I mean, how many times, like, have I or have have people, like, have you used your Vive and, like, that same exact thing happens and it just breaks out of the box? And Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, it's so much better to have it pull out of that little box and then off the back of your PC. Because your PC is a lot more expensive to yeah. replace. No, and for it, sure. it can't move. It has to pull out at, like, a 90-degree angle. Yeah, Whereas no. the link box it can move around and pull straight out. No, and, and depending on like what you like you said, if you if you damage the HDMI port then then I mean, you hope that there's another one on the GPU, but like yeah, you're talking about damaging the GPU versus the motherboard and all that. Look. Yeah. No, that yeah. that'll all be stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, that actually is a good question. I really hope that by using the the virtual link on that's on the GPUs that that doesn't somehow lead people to not use link box like breakout boxes yeah i hope so too i hope it also standardizes things a little bit better and be easier for people to get extension cords yeah so if they just buy an extension cord that is a virtual link extension cord yeah they don't have to worry about like oh is this an active, active yeah HDMI, HDMI cord? i like, i deal with all the same issues because yeah like like i i like all of my i I have cables that I haven't even used because I like assumed that I'm going to be in some situation where like, oh, my base stations are going to need power and I'm not going to have like access to like a, a, a power source close by. And so like I have extra long like power cords that I've ordered to, and then, yeah, making sure that like all of those things are, are, are going to work with all the various hardware, like especially the USB stuff. Like if you're running a third sensor for your Oculus, yeah. Like making sure that that like I'm surprised that they don't have like I, I think by now like uh, some of the ones that you order on Amazon come with like an e- extension cable that is supposed to work. Yeah, I think so. But like, yeah, it should all just come in the box. Yeah, now. it really should, especially if like, yeah, if you're buying like a third a third sensor, chances are you're going to be stretching that thing across the room anyways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, but, yeah, those are the two things like the the cord itself that's attached to the headset should just be just add another meter to mm-hmm. it or something mm-hmm. it should just be longer mm-hmm. like the the rift and the windows mixed reality cords are just way too short i don't see any benefit to making them that short yeah no because i mean even if you're assuming that people aren't going to be using a, a big play area you don't want to be restricting people by the by the the length of the cord yeah. Like, like I'd much rather have, I mean, with the window, like, yeah, with the wind, you're never going to be in a situation really where if you needed to walk other than if you're going to bump into something where it would be a problem to walk too far away. So yeah, it's, that's frustrating. And I, yeah. Yeah. Have you, I mean, have you had a chance to, to use any like the Vive wireless adapter or even like some of the other like wireless stuff like TPCast? Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to use any of the wireless stuff yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping that that eventually also becomes standard. Yeah. But it it's got to work first. Exactly. It's a lot better to just plug it in and have it work than to to figure out if your wireless isn't yeah. working. No, that's what I mean. I I was using a TPCast for a little bit, and yeah, it became one of those things where like I I need to go. I'm I'm actually curious to go back to using it to see if like there's open source software out there that supposedly makes it better. Oh, okay. um, 
my initial experience was kind of like what you were saying. Like every time I wanted to play VR, like there were times where I got wireless VR working well and it was just like, wow, this is amazing. Like it really does make the experience a lot better. But That'd then, be cool to try. yeah, but then all those times where like you're trying to just get going and it doesn't work for some reason. And then you're sitting there for like a half an hour trying to get it to work, you know? Yeah. Like, like that's, that those are big bummers too. So like I, I eventually disconnected it all, but yeah, I'll, I'll like the the cool thing about wireless VR, and and I would imagine in a game like like uh, Jet Island, it would be a huge difference because when you all of a sudden don't have the weight of of the tether, and you also don't have just like the just the feeling that you might trip up or something. Like like we've gotten really used to to cables. Right. And like a lot of times we think without thinking we're, we're kind of, you know, managing the cable pretty well, but when you don't have it and it's working properly, all of a sudden you move and interact in the world in a different way because yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Cause uh, you'd be surprised how much you limit the amount that you're, you turn in game and, and, and move around the play area based on the fact that, you know, there is a, a wire there. Yeah. Like when it's gone, all of a sudden your movements are just like, off the chart like you're just you know what i mean yeah that sounds i can't wait for the oculus quest to yeah, come out yeah that's but what like i yeah i'm not for me personally i'm not 100 percent sold yet that the, that the technology's there to like do sufficient like wireless head mounted displays on the pc like where you're just because yeah like like i said there's there's a lot of hiccups in getting it working right and and even with like the official headset or the official wireless adapter from htc it sounds like like that is a big like resource hog sometimes on, yeah. on people's CPUs and like so yeah like that stuff hopefully it'll get better it has a lot of potential but yeah like the easy solution around all of that when possible is to have you know or when 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 the game allows for it to be able to use a standalone headset like that's a huge advantage for those types of experiences so yeah, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how that technology progresses. But yeah, I guess we're still in the early days of wireless. Yeah, it'll eventually. Like like most of this stuff, if people really want something to work, they eventually find a way to 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 get it to work well enough. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully I guess that's where we're at now, just trying to yeah uh, no. iron out those hiccups. Yeah, and and I mean a lot of people using the the HEC uh, adapter, they had a lot of positive things to say. I, I haven't had like. A extended play session with it or anything like that but like using it at trade shows and and you know with with different developers and stuff i mean for the most part like it like most of the time i didn't notice any kind of lag or anything like that which is really cool yeah that's awesome but anyways I'll all right to try sometime no yeah it's, it's definitely worth a look so but i i have a feeling you have you have you'll have uh more than enough to mess with with the knuckles now that you you yeah. finally got your hands on that. I'm sure that's really exciting. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a, a whole new system to play around with going forward. Just actually having your fingers in the game. And, like, even I've noticed that now that you have real fingers, like, picking up objects, you want your fingers to wrap around the objects realistically and to yeah. still be able to move your fingers while holding an object. So. Huh. It adds another layer of complexity, but it's really cool once once you figure out how to get it working. How does like a, how how does like ha, like the haptic feedback and stuff like that work on 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 the on the knuckle controller? Like like is is it 
is it very similar to the wands in terms of like how it feels or is it more is it more tactile in any way because there's so much like finger tracking going on um it mostly feels the same uh they've done a couple of small differences like um so the track pads on the knuckle controllers they don't physically click in like the it's not like a mouse pad click mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the vive controllers were mm-hmm. uh it's but it has like a pressure sensor where if you press it over a certain pressure it engages mm. as a click mm-hmm. uh, so the controller does a little vibration so that you know that you've pressed it hard enough almost like the I, I forget what they call it but what like the the iphone like 3d touch yeah right? yeah 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 just like that or um or like when you're pressing the keys on the keyboard on your phone like yeah. it gives a little vibration so you know that you pressed a button okay um, so yeah, it has that. I think it, it has the same thing for the grip. If you program it in to do that as a developer into your game, um, so yeah, there there will be. Uh, I think it'll just kind of be up to developers if they want to make it so that you have a little vibration when you pick something up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty similar to the original Vive controllers where there's not much rumble in mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking they probably do that because maybe rumble messes up the tracking. Mm. Um, not really sure why. So it's not a very strong. Yeah. It's, it's subtle. It's, it's like, it's more subtle than like using just like a standard, uh, like game console controller. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely true. Huh? Okay. No, that, that makes sense. That's um, cool. Yeah. Mostly it's just seeing your fingers move and like like uh in one of the demos that they have to test out the knuckle controllers you can pick up these grenades and throw them. Uh but you know the demo was put together pretty quickly so yeah. that in that your fingers don't wrap around the grenade. They just kind of make a fist and that doesn't line up exactly. Got and it. that kind of ruins the feeling a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be really cool once developers spend the time to make your fingers wrap around an object. Uh, but one thing that is really cool is like you can be holding an object, but you could like lift up your pinky finger, and your other fingers are still holding the object, and that's a really cool feeling just huh. to see your fingers still move even when you're holding an object. Yeah. Like uh, with like a Vive or an Oculus controller, when you pick up an object. Uh, and you, if you're playing a game where you can still see your hand while you pick up an object, you your hands are like frozen into mm-hmm. the holding position. Yeah, so, it's like a binary. It's just like, am I holding this or am I not? Yeah. So then, it'll be no, really- that makes sense. Because what's interesting about that is even I mean, like the fact that you're lifting your pinky doesn't change the fact that you're still holding onto the grenade. But yeah. I would think in a way it would probably make your brain feel more like you're holding the grenade with that with the ability to do that because all of a sudden it feels like you're in control of 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 what your hands doing, you know? Yeah. Like I yeah, it's always interesting to see like how like even the indirect consequences of something like that and what its effects are and how you feel while you're doing something. Yeah, it'll it'll be so interesting. I mean, even like little things, like they even have a little demo in there showing how you can pick things up between your pointer finger and your thumb. That's really cool. So, so like it'll like in games going forward with the knuckle controllers, there won't be a single button for picking up an object. It'll just be wrap your fingers around the object like in real life. Like if can it's you, a small object, pick it up with your pointer and your thumb. If can you imagine object, like throwing darts or something like that in a game? Oh, like, yeah. 
Like, yeah, there's there's a lot of cool possibilities for stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. I even thought about um, pulling back a bowstring would be really interesting ah. with the knuckle controllers because you can have the two fingers, like, let go. That's really, yeah. It'll be more, like, yeah, there's there's so much room for, like, more nuance in terms of what you're able to do control-wise. Yeah, yeah, it'd be really interesting because, like, technically those things don't change the way you play the game. Yeah. But once you feel it, it changes. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and like you were saying before, like when like one of your goals with Jet Island, right, was to make the the movement like you wanted it as as physics based as possible so that yeah. when players got it, like it was it brought them a sense of accomplishment. Like this is me controlling, you know, the this is me doing this in the game. Yeah. And, and I yeah, feel like exactly. the more the more yeah, nuance you allow players to exhibit in terms of how they're doing stuff in the game, like the more rewarding it's going to be when 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 they do something in a special way. Yeah, definitely. Like yeah, yeah just it's it's really interesting to see the evolution of all VR games. Like like going back to Blade and Sorcery, one of the most interesting things I noticed in that game was the system for picking up objects. And you can see it the most when you pick up something like an axe or even a chair. Like, you can grab the chair in different spots, and you can, like, hold the chair, like, backwards. You can hold the chair over your head like a, a wrestler, like, slamming <laughs> a chair on somebody. Yeah. But uh, that's a really cool system where it, it, it makes you feel so much more real because you can adjust your grip or yeah. if you're holding it backwards or forward. Like, it just feels so much more like you're really holding the object in your hand when it's not just, like, the early VR games where if you pick up an object, it's just locked to your hand in one position. Yeah. No, I, I totally know what you mean. Because, yeah, anytime something behaves the way you would expect it to in real life, like, yeah. like, the, like, the, like the first thing that you'd want to do is grab something and see if you can grab it. After that, the next thing is, well, what can I do with this grabbed object? And if you're yeah. able to like freely rotate it around and like interact with it just like you would in real life, like yeah, it, the further you can go without breaking from what a player expects, like the more immersive it's going to be. So yeah, all just all those little details coming together just make it feel more and more real. Dude, that's exciting. I I can't wait. Like I yeah, I hope you have a lot of fun kind of experimenting and messing around with the knuckle controller and yeah, oh, I yeah, I, I I can't wait for it to come out. So Yeah, yeah, me too. I I just I mean, I already have them, but they, you know. Yeah, to see they, what they people... could use a little improvement in some areas. Like I think the joystick could mm. feel a little better. Okay. So hopefully, you know, they're still going to improve those very small things yeah but for the most part it's just it's exciting to see more and more developers supporting it because that's yeah. what really makes a difference in the game is having your fingers in the game no that's that's awesome all right well yeah we went a little bit over but i hope you yeah. uh you, yeah i i enjoyed our conversation a lot so thank you so much for for taking the time to talk with me about about everything and yeah i, I didn't know you were the developer behind you know, Swordmaster either. So that was that was cool for me just to be able to talk about both games a little bit. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so glad. So, all right. Well, yeah, thanks again. And uh, I guess for, for our listeners out there that are interested in, in you know, Jet Island, Swordmaster, any of the work that you're going to be doing in the future, uh, what's the best way for people to kind of keep up with what you're up to? 
probably my YouTube channel is the best uh, place to really keep up to date with everything. Um, I mean, of course, there's also just the Steam store page for both those games. Okay. Um, and you can just click on my name, Master Indie, on Steam, and it'll list all the games I made and on okay. Steam, which is Swordmaster and Jet Island for now. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you just search up Master Indie on YouTube, uh, that is where every time I'm working on something new, that's probably the first place that I'm going to post it. Okay, awesome. And, and people can like give you feedback and stuff like that like in the comments? or Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I read all my comments. I try to respond to as many of them as I can. Um, but yeah, you can always get in contact with me through the comments. Uh, I also have a Discord channel for Jet Island, which is linked in all my videos about Jet Island. Um, so Discord is also a really great place to reach me. Awesome. All right. Well, well, thank you again, Eric. Really appreciated having you on the show. And yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. All right. Take care. You too.